0: LifeWay
1: Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 5 Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host Chandler Vinoy here as always with Todd Atkins, And now joined uh, by another member of our team, Dan Iten. Hey, hey. Um, we're excited to have Dan join us. And this is actually going to be a new segment. Todd, I'm going to let yep. you kind of intro what what this is going to look like. Okay, so you may or may not realize,
2: but five leadership questions, 5LQ <laughs> podcast has been around for seven, eight years, eight years, I think. Um, Something like that. Originally, it was hosted by me and Barnabas Piper. Then it went to me and Eric Geiger, maybe. And then me and Daniel M. And now it's hosted by me and Chandler. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, the, the common problem there is me, but we'll get into that on, a, on another podcast. Uh, we have today with us Dan Eiten, who is a co-host of the One Ministry Question podcast, along with Daniel M, who who is a former 5LQ podcast host. Uh, and now he's part of that too. So you'll hear from Daniel M and Daniel Aiton from time to time. Five leadership questions has been, uh, an interview podcast at times, and then a five leadership questions on a topic at times in the past. More recently, um, We had a lot of interviews, and frankly, we know there's a lot of interview podcasts out there, so we wanted to fold the One Ministry Question podcast back into 50Q and tackle one topic at a time using a five-question framework to kind of throw it up in the air, you know, sift it, uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, of this leadership topic and then kind of go on from there. So it's the same framework that we've used for eight years. Um, It's familiar enough. I think that people enjoy knowing what the questions are. However, there's a curiosity there because you never know how those questions are going to get answered. So without further ado, what are we talking about today?
0: Yeah, today we're talking about effectively recruiting volunteers for your church. Um, So... It's a big topic. I think we all realize the importance of it, but I just want to start off with the question of why is recruiting volunteers effectively right now critical for the church?
2: Well, first and foremost, um, it's critical for our roles as leaders. Ephesians 4, our one job is to equip the saints for the work in the ministry, everybody. Um recognizes that, but few people do it. Instead, we recruit the 20%. There's that 80-20 rule. So 80% of the people in your church are probably uh, enjoying the uh, buffet and ship's amenities, and the eighty uh, the 20% are like crewing the ship. They're volunteering and serving in different roles. So it's important to the health and growth of the individual to engage in using their gifts in service to Christ. You can't grow into spiritual maturity without it. So that that's number one. It's like a biblical mandate. Two is the practicality of the matter when we don't have everybody uh, serving. And yet over the course of time, we've continued to add ministries and not take away ministries. There are definitely volunteer spots uh, every Sunday that, that that need to be filled. And we need to get ready for, yes, we need to be, Um, a light in our community um, out there serving in the community not just on Sunday morning and it's almost impossible to do that to field those people out in the local community if you don't have the basics of you know your household slash family taken care of which is kind of the Sunday morning so that's the the two big reasons I would say um, that volunteers are absolutely essential to the health and growth of your church
1: Yeah, I think this topic right now, I mean, I think we're all three at different churches here in Nashville, and I bet we would all say that we've heard from our churches that recruiting volunteers right now is a little bit more troubling than maybe even in years past because of just even the shifts that we've seen in churches recently uh, with the pandemic, but also heading into the summer months and different things. It's just, it's tough. So somebody might hear, hey, how do you recruit volunteers more effectively and go, yeah, please tell me exactly how to do that uh, because we're having trouble with that. So, I mean, definitely a topic that I think a lot of people are feeling, but also one that just as Todd was saying, the biblical mandate, but as pastors and church leaders, man, it's so easy for us to try to do the work of ministry on our own, but also there are people who are in our church who need to be serving to be able to utilize the gifts that God has given them and to be able to understand how God has wired them. But also it allows them to take a step into actually serving the church rather than just being a spectator and actually taking a step in and serving alongside others and doing the work of ministry on their own. And, and also, I mean, we all know that our ministries can't run without volunteers. Um, we need them to be able to serve in our kids ministry, to be able to welcome guests, to be able to uh, lead life groups. I mean, it is vital to every aspect of of our church. And we don't just want the paid church staff being doing everything, but we wanna be able to mobilize those in our church um, to be able to do the work of ministry.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the really important things for us to think about is how to, how to recruit the right volunteers. You know, we're not just looking for a bot, a warm body in uh, a seat that can help, you know, in our kids ministry or whatnot. We want to, we want to get the right volunteers in the right seat um, so that they can use their gifts for, for the work of ministry um, as God has intended them to. And so, you know, we, we, I think all of us having worked in churches and attended different churches, we've seen the plea from the the stage of, hey, can you come do this? <laughs> we are desperately in need of volunteers for this area. And a lot of times that doesn't bring you the best volunteers. No. And so I'm hoping that through this conversation today, we can kind of talk about what that looks like to get those right people in the right seats.
2: You know, desperation is not a good look. Um, and so you're gonna get a poor result when you do that, you know, one of the things, one of the problems actually we have today goes back almost 50 years. Um, it goes back to the, uh, late seventies, early eighties, when there was research done on membership and what they found was members gave more, they prayed more, they served more. So what did churches start to do? They lowered the bar to membership. Basically, if you could walk the aisle and fog a mirror, you were a member. And so we've done a similar thing with volunteers. And even, um, even if you role play with some of your, um, some of your people who are doing the recruiting, uh, I would encourage you to do that. So say, Hey, recruit me as a volunteer. Uh, and the conversation will go something like this. Hey, anybody can do this. Um, you wouldn't mind doing this. Would you, uh, or I know you're already busy, but um, fill in the blank. I mean, a lot of times we actually say no for the person or we diminish what the role is and what it is in our church. Anybody can do this is not compelling. Anybody can do this is basically saying, hey, get ready. I'm about to dump on you <laughs> because it's certainly not um delegating effectively or even developing, it's just, it's just a dump because I need a warm body in that room. Um, and you're not going to get weekly volunteers. You're going to get just a warm body in a room if you do it in that manner.
1: Mm. You know, going back to what you're talking about, Todd, uh, you're talking about the, the study done back in the eighties. There was also the reveal study, uh, done with Willow Creek. And they were looking at, hey, what actually leads to spiritual growth? What actually leads people to be connected to our church? And unfortunately, that study revealed that just activity in your church does not automatically equal spiritual growth. I think we all can know that if you're listening to this uh, and you've been in church long enough, you're like, yes, I have seen that firsthand. But I will say this. One thing that did come out of that study was showing that those who serve actually more than even most of the other areas are more connected to your church and are more in line to grow spiritually. And I think there's something, I mean, there's, that's really biblical. Like we're actually doing the work of ministry and we're having to rely on the Lord. We're, we're, actually, you know, stepping in and serving. So Why is this important to your church? I would also say like this is one of the best ways if you wanna get somebody who is just attending and they are not connected, they're not, they don't know other people, they haven't found their community. Yes, groups and Sunday school or whatever you do to connect people is phenomenal and needs to happen, but I almost guarantee if you even just surveyed the people in your church and asked those who serve on serve teams in different areas, you would actually see that they're some of the most committed people in your church because they are serving. So the volunteers, you're not just asking them if we talked about, we're not just looking for warm bodies, but we're looking for people who will step in and serve and be connected to our church and really put their hands in for the mission and the vision of the church. So, I mean, we can we can keep talking about the why. But Let's get into why you're probably really listening to this and it's, Hey, what are the best practices for how to actually do this? I'm looking to recruit volunteers more effectively in my church. So let's, let's go to the second question, which is that, what are some best practices for recruiting volunteers effectively? And even some, what are some of the different views that we've seen in churches um, that we've served in, or even just looked in that we've worked with? So what, what are those? So first off, I would say following the 80s, you had the 90s and early
2: 2000s, which is a church growth movement, um, which added a lot of those ministries, Chandler, that you just talked about. Um, It added a lot of ministries that were affinity based ministries or anybody who could um, make a case for their pet ministry being a part of one of the purposes of the purpose-driven church now had a great excuse to do it. Um, And what happened also was church practice shifted from the eighties where you had some people, at least in the Southeast who would go to church two or three times a week to now going two or three times a month. So all of that brings us to a current place where I would say the best practices that you can do are two things. One, reduce opportunities for serving. You reduce opportunities for serving by being laser focused on what your purpose of your church is and making sure that all ministries align with that. So even it could be a good ministry. It could be quote unquote effective because people are involved in it. But if it's not aligned with the purpose of the church, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples or reaching your community, um, then, man, it, it really begs the question of why is it even there? Um, if it doesn't align with your vision and values of your church, kill it. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is clarity. Um, people value their time more than anything else. And we've been trained to do that, especially over the last 10 years. I mean, yesterday uh, groceries were delivered to my house from Walmart and Amazon. I guarantee you delivered something uh, because they wear my driveway out. And, and that's personal convenience. We're all used to that. Algorithms personalize our information, all of it. We're used to that personal convenience. So that makes the card sin wasting my time. If you recruit me, you need to do so with great clarity on what the ask is. I need a job description. I need to understand what the responsibilities of the role, what expectations there are, are there meetings, are there cadences of meetings? Like I need to know with great clarity what that is. So the two things I would say are most important are reducing the opportunity costs that are there because every volunteer role is an opportunity To serve or say no to another role. Uh, And then secondly, I would say kill them with clarity. So kill those ministries that aren't in alignment and then uh, make sure that you're really, really, really super clear when you're recruiting. Yeah, I have to
0: agree with with all of that, Todd, and, and just the the job description piece is one of those that um, it's not just a paid staff person that there, there needs to be a job description for. You should have job descriptions for every volunteer role in your church, including the greeters team of what that looks like, what your expectations are, how often you want them to serve, um, what meetings they need to attend. All those things should be spelled out. And so if you don't have some of those, we actually have resources on ministry grid that you can download and use for your church and edit uh, to your specific church context. Um, But having something like that is crucial. And that some of the churches that are doing that best are seeing volunteers committed because they know what they're getting themselves into when they sign up to serve.
1: That's good. Uh, I'll just rattle off a few here that came to mind. One is have your volunteers reproduce themselves. Have volunteers look for other volunteers. So if you are looking for for new people to serve on your guest services team, greeter team, the best people to be looking for those volunteers is those who are already serving uh, to recommend other people. Um, Same as for life group leaders. There's many um, small group models that would say, hey, train up an apprentice while you're serving, identify who that could be, train them as you are leading your group. Uh, another is just create a culture of serving. I mean, Todd, Todd, you kind of referenced this as well, um, of, of clear, clear clarity in that, like clear next steps. Hey, everybody around here, it's like, hey, if you're a part of this church, it looks like you serve here. And, and those that are in the church know that, they, they constantly are talking about it. And even from stage in, in your culture of what you talk about, the vision of your church is, hey, those who are a part of the church serve. We need you. There's there's language that you can use from stage. It's the, the culture that you're building is that, hey, we are all a part of this. It's not just the paid church staff that do the ministry here, but it's everyone. We need you. So it's the language that you use, the culture that you create and clear next steps in that. And I, I'd also just say the last one would just be discipleship. Um, I think in your discipleship process and your model, it's it's teaching and, and modeling what this looks like that it's if, if we've talked about it already, just getting up on stage and saying, we need you, like we are desperate for volunteers is very different than intentionally teaching and training people what it looks like to serve the church. So those are some, some practical uh, best practices that hopefully can help
2: you. One more thing I'll add here is um, we did a whole pipeline conference on this maybe three, four years ago. That was, there's an ebook called Creating a Recruiting Culture that walks through uh, a 7s framework of story strategy structure systems it really plays out okay how do I create a recruiting culture as Chandler was talking about so we'll um, we'll definitely link that in the in the show notes what um, the next question is really what examples do we see so give some real-life examples name names um, we're all in churches of different sizes I've had um, I don't know. I was a student pastor when uh, Chandler was born probably. So <laughs> it's, it's really sad. I'm getting old, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we've all had lots of different experiences, but where have you seen this work and not work? Like just share some real world experiences guys.
0: Yeah. I'll say for myself, um, I was an executive pastor at a church plant in the DC area and we did, all of the above to get volunteers, and and I will say we were we were victim of the mentality of let's just say it from the stage. Hey, we need you to serve in kids. Hey, let's put it in our weekly newsletter um, that goes out via email. Let's you know blast it in. You know, anytime one of my volunteer leaders asked you know, Hey, we need volunteers. They were like, can we get a Sage announcement? Can we put this in the email? Can we do a blog post? Can we do a Facebook thing? And, you know, my answer a lot of times was sure, let's do it. Um, but it wasn't solving the bigger problem of why our culture wasn't, you know, helping people encourage them to serve. And so, you know, sometimes it is, you know, you've got those immediate needs of, Hey, we've got you know, kids that are coming every single Sunday and our volunteers are at the limit, especially we were a smaller church. We were only uh, one service. And so if you served in kids ministry, you were not attending the Sunday morning service. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure there to get those volunteers to be able to come to service on those weeks where they're not serving. And so um, I will say that we were victim of that. Um, But then we've also changed tunes along the way. And really did try to put together those job descriptions and try to um, change that culture of, hey, we're all serving. And, and one of the things I loved was that we encouraged our um, our senior leaders in other areas to serve too regularly in some of the others. So our lead pastor on Sundays where he wasn't preaching, he would sometimes go serve in kids ministry. And I think that showed to the rest of our church that, hey, we all have a role to play in this and that there's no job too small, um, that we're not able, that we're not willing to jump in and be a part of as well. So
2: really quickly, um, to go off of that just for a second, uh, Dan, you, you would remember cause Dan and I served at the same church like 15 years ago. Um, but there was a shift that we made. There's a high cost to a cheap ask. Remember that high cost to a cheap ask. A cheap ask is bulletins, announcement from stage, begging. That's, that's cheap. It's the first thing that people think of. What you celebrate. Um, you cultivate in the culture. So instead of begging for a volunteer in children's ministry, you need to bring a normal person, a normal person up on stage and interview them about their volunteer spot in children's ministry. That is a best practice because you're celebrating that volunteer, you're normalizing it. You're not saying, hey, here's Mabel, she's retired and she works 80 hours a week at the church. Okay. Nobody else can do that. What you want to do is get, you know, somebody who's a representative of uh, the the normal person, average person at your church, bring them up on stage, and share that story. Chandler, what 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 experiences uh, would you share?
1: Yeah. Uh, Going back to the pipeline conference you were talking about on recruiting. uh, I know you said name names. I'm going to keep this one anonymous. But I remember we went to uh, one of the speakers and we were kind of getting some content from them. And we were recording and I asked him the question. I said, hey, can you share about the pain point of recruiting volunteers in your church? And I just remember him being like, well, we don't have that here. We have such a great culture of volunteer. And I was just like, man, this is not true. I was like, I know that. I know that you guys have a great culture here, but I was like, man, that just doesn't feel real. Cause if you're listening to this and you serve at a church, you know that this is a pain point. So I would just say the real life example, uh, the first one that comes to mind is if you feel like you're having this issue, um, it's never gonna be fully solved. Like it's all, it's a constant, is you're always gonna be recruiting. You're always gonna be trying to tune up the culture. You're always gonna be trying to cast the vision for people to get involved. So don't feel like this is something that you're ever going to check the box on, number one. Um, but then Todd, just as you were saying, I can think of our church uh, a little bit of the same context as Dan. Um, we are um, a little bit, and we're going to get into this in the next question, just even sizes, how does this look? But same way, we are a one service. So if you, there's not a serve one, attend one, it is serve. And unfortunately you're going to miss out. Um, on the service. So in that it's even bigger ask. So for kids ministry, uh, we we're trying to find ways to how do we help them feel involved if they're serving? Uh, One of those ways is, is we actually do a mini sermon for the kids ministry volunteers to help them in that way. Um, But another one, I was going to say the same thing as as you, Todd, For, for guest services, there were some people who felt disconnected from our church. And then as soon as they joined our guest services team, they said, this place feels like home. Like, I now feel involved here. So what we would do is we would actually record those stories, play them. And it wasn't even an announcement. It was just allowing it to get some time in our service so people could hear that that's how somebody got connected. That's how they felt like this church was their home. So just find ways to cast vision using people's stories that are serving, like Todd said, regular, ordinary people who are serving to the glory of God and showing that, Hey, even if your, your schedule's packed, man, you can still serve and it's going to be worth your time and it's worth the investment that you're making there.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that, that, you know, leads us into that fourth question of, of how does this work in terms of a big, big church context and, and
2: then a small church context and are there differences there? I, I think understanding, uh, uh, there's there's not as much difference between a big church and a small church as people might imagine. I've served in both um, for years, decades in both, actually. Um, and so, it's it's a matter of scalability. So, um, small tr- smaller churches and medium sized churches are not JV smaller churches and medium sized churches are not JV Bivocational ministry is not JV and some mega church is, is, uh, is varsity. Um, in fact, a lot of times, uh, sometimes larger churches actually have enough money that they buy their leaders rather than build them. Uh, and, you know, we've we've been lucky enough in our country to be affluent for long enough that often that's the case. Um, we buy leaders instead of build them. So what I'm going to say is the small church context and the big church context, it really boils down to the average attendee. You are only as healthy as as your average attendee. And that's actually easier to get a pulse uh, on in a smaller church than a larger church, because you're known. One of the ways a larger church can be really sticky is your people. Your preaching will never be as sticky as your people. As Chandler mentioned, one of the reasons why the reveal study um, said that uh, that volunteers were, were sticky, Um, was the people factor because they're now serving on a team. Their really big church is now small because this is their community. This is where um, they're serving alongside of people who know their name. uh, They're having conversations with. So it's a very strategic move both from a operations side, as well as a just flat out ministry side of recognizing my one job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Everybody who attends this church, yes, they know Ephesians uh, 2, 8 and 9. Uh, it's by grace they've been saved. But if you move to Ephesians two ten, 10, they're his workmanship and he's got stuff prepared in advance for them to do. So we are not doing our job. They are not growing into spiritual maturity apart from using their gifts and service to Christ. Once we get our stuff inside the church taken care of, we can unleash them on the community. And that is what the church is supposed to be. So whether you're a big church or a small church, um, I would say I've served in both right now. I'm in a church of about eight, 900. So you know bigger than most but but not a big church um and that's you know that's the constant struggle no matter what size you are is maintaining that quality of growth and the only way you can do that is by leveraging your attendees, leveraging your, sorry, volunteers and leaders to recruit and develop other volunteers. You may have made the role. You may have written the job description, but that person is better equipped to know normal people <laughs> um, and to recruit those people. And they know what the actual week to week ministry looks like better than you do, even though you're over it, they understand it and they're able to recruit those people and train them the best. Yeah.
0: And I know that I sound like a broken record when I say that you need to have a job description and have those things lined up. Again, that is not just for staff, especially me at a smaller church where I was the executive pastor. We didn't have a, a staff person over most of these roles. It was a volunteer, but they knew their job. And then all of the other volunteers knew their roles. And that helped somebody else be able to say, Hey, I want you to serve on this team with me. And I already know what the responsibilities are. I know what the requirements are. And if they're having a good experience serving in that role, they're going to be much more prone to inviting others to come in and join and participate in that ministry with them.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I was, what, what came to my mind is. We I have a buddy who's he's in the process of planting a church out in San Diego, and he spent some time and training uh, at another church. And one of the things he was talking about is he has all of his ministries lined out. And just as we were talking about the resources, he doesn't have the budget to go. Well, I'm going to hire all eight of these areas. Right. Instead, he has to go identify eight volunteer leaders to run, not just serve in the ministries on site, but run the ministries. And he's identifying those leaders. And that's how for him, And, you know, Lord willing that the Lord would come in and build the church through these leaders and build these ministries. So large church and small church context, like we've said, there's not that much of a difference. But I will say at a big church where there's a lot more staff members, it's easier to get by at times by not recruiting and building leaders and volunteers. So in small churches, there's almost this beauty in it where we we do have to equip the saints in order for these ministries to to flourish. So in that, I would just say, even no matter what context you're in, um, what are areas that you can hand off the ministry to volunteers more effectively and, and call them into something? There might be somebody, you know, Todd, you were talking about Ephesians 2.10. I remember I preached, we were preaching through Ephesians and I just, I just asked people in our church, what is your ministry not what is the ministry of the paid church staff, but we each have a ministry. What is your ministry? What's the giftings that God has given you? So there might be somebody who is incredibly hospitable at your church. Like you just see that they come in if, in their home. They always have it um, just very hospitable. And just go, man, they would be great if they served on our guest services team or helped us with events. So just identifying that in people and saying, we would love for you to step into that um, in a serving opportunity. So part of the effectiveness is also knowing your people and what to call them to. So that's the that's the difference in context. And we're just going to end with this. Our last question for, for all of us is, are there just any recommended resources or final thoughts that we'd offer to those listening?
2: I would say that ebook book that we mentioned before, um, Creating a Recruiting Culture, is really important, you know, um, because it really begins with your purpose. Like, you know, we all hear culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yes, but it gets, your, it gets its appetite from purpose. And so if you look at that document or that process um, with you and your team, I think that's going to be really effective, whether or not it's a paid staff team or a, a volunteer team. Um, so that's the number one thing I would say.
0: Yeah. I mentioned this before. Um, I'm going on my role of talking about job descriptions. Uh, we do have uh, sample job descriptions on ministry grid that you can download and edit and, uh, make your own for your own church. So if you don't have something and just need a place to start, um, you can go in and download those and, and play
1: around with them. Yep. And then just the last resource I would mention, another ebook that we actually just recently put out. It is um, Six Essentials to Onboarding and uh, Training New Volunteers. So once you've recruited them, how do you make sure that you get them on the team? And actually, we're going to be talking about that in the next episode, kind of unpacking that ebook. But these things all go together. You can recruit somebody really effectively, but then not train and onboard them well. And actually, uh, drop the ball on unleashing them for the service of ministry. So we're going to talk about that. But all of these resources um, are available. We'll drop them in the show notes. And we hope this has been helpful to you. As we said, this is going to be a new rhythm on the podcast uh, that we want to be practical and helpful to you. So uh, let us know that you're enjoying this by by rev- leaving us a rating and review on maybe what you enjoy. But also, we'd love to hear from you and know what questions would you like us to discuss? What topics do you want us to talk through? So feel free to shoot us a message on Instagram, Uh, feel free to email us however you want to let us know. And we'd love to be able to put out content that is helpful to you. We'll see you next week.